the kids can head out to Children's Church. I think some of the kids are already down there waiting for you. Um, I'm heading out this week to uh, my folks' house up in Wisconsin, so I just wanted to say Happy Thanksgiving before I head out to you, and I hope that your time with your family is a, a blessing. Last week we were speaking on, as we've been speaking about the harvest, I mean that kind of plays into this time of Thanksgiving when we are giving thanks for all of the things that God has provided for us and how he has uh, given to us and taken care of us. Last week we talked about the laws of the harvest, that uh, it is with the measure that we sow that we will receive. It is the kind that we sow that we receive. So if we sow forgiveness, we will reap forgiveness. If we sow kindness, we will receive kindness. If we sow love, we will receive love. If we uh, sow judgment, we will receive judgment. The season for working and reaping are different. So um, we are in the process of scattering seed, sharing the word, reaping, all of those things right now. Um, uh, But We cannot expect instant results for what we do. And then lastly, the yield is cumulative. It is all the little things that we do along the way that build up to what is remaining at the end. God said it, I think, in a fun way where he said, you sow the wind, but you reap the whirlwind. Meaning, uh, all your life you do these little things, uh, whether dark or good, which you don't realize is they are all piling upon each other so that when the day comes and it is all fed back, all of those little winds are a whirlwind, and they will either crush you or lift you, one of those cases. Now this week we're going to talk about the harvest, uh, the harvest feasts. I'm kind of excited about this because I saw some, I knew some of this, but I saw some connections this week that I hadn't seen before. Uh, I want to paint for you a picture of the harvest and the celebration as the Jews understood it, and then, then apply it uh, forward to us as Christians as well. What we're going to do is we are going to be in Leviticus chapter 23. I want to put the pertinent verses up on the screen this morning, but if you want to follow along in your Bible, please feel free to do so. In Leviticus 23, God gives the instructions to his people on the festivals throughout the year that they are supposed to be celebrating. Three of these um, are harvest festivals. So, Half, basically, are harvest festivals, acknowledging and honoring what God uh, has done for them. We're going to see how these apply to us. Let's just get into it because it's going to be fascinating. All right, Leviticus chapter 23, verses 4 to 26. Here we begin with the first one. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the appointed time for them. In the first month, on the 14th day, Uh, Of the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. Okay, So they begin their year, their calendar year, the same way they began as a people. So the Jews found themselves, uh, they were in Egypt And um, they had flourished there over 300 and some years. Um, They had been made slaves. Well, God sends Moses and Aaron to come and to rescue the people out. It is in this time that uh, the first of the celebrations, as you see, was Passover. It was on the 14th day. Passover commemorates the day that the, that the liberation of the Jewish people from slaves into, into a new nation really 
began. And it was the 10th plague, the 10th of the 10 plagues that God performed in the nation of Egypt. When Pharaoh would not let them out, the final one was God was going to send and did send the angel of death to visit through the nation and to reap, if you will, to uh, remove from life the firstborn male of every household. Now, in order to spare his own people from this, he gave them an instruction that if they would sacrifice a lamb, they could put the blood above and around their doorposts. They could put it around the, above their windows. When the angel of death came through and saw blood on the door or on the window, he would pass over that house and he would not uh, take the firstborn that was within. So, that happens, the Jews cover their doorposts, cover their windows with this blood, and when the angel of death comes through, they are all spared, but the firstborn male of every Egyptian household perishes that night. And so they remember the Passover. God, that's the first thing he wants them to begin their year with, to remember, is that you remember the Passover, that provision was made by God, that you were spared by blood, death. Well, the next day, as, uh, as Pharaoh gets up and, and he wants them out, he wants them gone. God gave instruction to his people. Do not delay. Do not even take the time to fill your bread with leaven. Don't even take that time to cook up bread. Just grab it and go. Just get out of the nation. And so they did. They did that. They left. Their bread was unleavened. They didn't have yeast in it. And so that's what they took with them, and that's what they ate. And so God tells them, okay, the day after Passover, you begin a seven-day, seven days, when you partake of this uh, uh, unleavened bread, just as those who were in Egypt did when they left. So to the beginning of the year, of the Jewish year, was a uh, remembrance of what God had done for them and um, how God had established them as a free people and a free nation. Now, I don't want, I don't want to get too much uh, uh, into this other than to, because we speak a lot about uh, Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We speak a lot about this in the spring at Easter time, uh, at nauseam. So we do not, I don't want to revisit that except for us to understand that this time period, if you play it forward for the Christian, we... Uh, we recognize, so what you're going to see is that in a Jewish year, they have these feasts that are going along, and they did them year after year after year after year. They were, they were remembering what they had been through. You're going to see that, that they are doing it out of remembrance of what God had done. But what they did not realize is they were proclaiming what God was going to do in the future as well. So while they are celebrating the fact that uh, uh, there was the angel of death passed over because of the blood of the lamb, what they were proclaiming was what happened 2,000 years ago uh, at this same time. Jesus went up on, uh, on that Thursday evening, on the Passover evening, and he had what we call the Last Supper where he broke unleavened bread and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He celebrated the Passover that day. The Feast of Unleavened Bread began the next day, the day he was crucified, when his body, the unleavened bread, was broken for us. 
And so we see and understand now in hindsight that, that they were remembering something that had happened, but God was using it year after year to proclaim that which he was going to do through Jesus and what he was going to do in the future. That's going to play out. So let's get to the next one. Let's get to the next one. Leviticus chapter 23. Let's go verse 9 to 13. And so the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. And on the day after the Sabbath, on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old, without blemish, as a burnt offering to the Lord, and the grain offering with which it shall be, two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma, and the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hen. Now, you're probably sitting here going, okay, that's great. What does that mean? What this was for them was the feast of first fruits. It was the first of the harvest feast. And it began in that same time period as the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Passover. Now, again, you may be sitting here going, okay, so what does that, what does that, what does that have to do with us? Well, for them, it was the time of year when the barley was brought in. So the big barley harvest would be collected and brought in around the Passover time. And so they would take this time where they, where they went in and they presented it. They presented it. They offered the first fruits of their crops to the Lord. When they, when they did this, in, in celebrating uh, this harvest, the interesting thing is, when we read it, if you still have your Bible open, when you read it, what day did they offer it? Did anyone notice? The day after the Sabbath, which is what day? Sunday. Ah, hold on. So, it's a little more specific than even that. He says, on the day after the Sabbath, following Passover, is when you do the Feast of the first fruits. So, for them... It was the barley harvest, and they were bringing an offering to the Lord to remember him. Great. That's great. For us as Christians, we can look back and see that they were proclaiming something that God was going to do. So if we go back to Jesus looking, and it was at the Passover that he celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples. It was the next day, the day that the Feast of Unleavened Bread began, that he was crucified. Well, if, he, if, if Passover was on Thursday... The next Sabbath was that Saturday, and the first Sunday after the first Sabbath after Passover, I know, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little thick, was what day? It was Sunday. The Sunday after Jesus died was the Feast of the First Fruits. We call it Resurrection Day. Think about this. What is Jesus called? Let's go. Let, let, let's look at this. First Corinthians fifteen twenty says this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The what? First fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
Here they were going through for centuries celebrating the Feast of the First Fruits on the first Sunday after the Sabbath following the Passover, which when Jesus came just happened to fall on the day that God raised him from the dead, the first fruits of us who would be saved, the first fruits of mankind, the first to be resurrected. That's pretty cool. But more than that, more than that, if you, if you go back, if you still got your Bibles open, see, what did it say? It said, on that day, on that Sunday, what will you do? You will offer, you will offer to the Lord this lamb, and you will bring what? The bread and the wine. On that Sunday, you will honor the first fruits of God by recognizing the lamb. And offering the bread and the wine. So we don't even you, you didn't even you didn't even know that's what we were doing, did you? When we gather on Sunday, we gather to remember the first harvest, the first human to be harvested by God, the first righteous was Jesus. And he went up and was presented to his Father in heaven. So we gather together and we honor that lamb, that one who washed us, who cleansed us, who was our Passover lamb. But when we partake of this, see, this has changed meaning. We, we always remember that, that this is his death, but I also want you to realize when we partake of that body and we partake of that blood in communion, we are also proclaiming his resurrection. We are partaking in a, in a, in a living body. The blood of a, of a living, resurrected man. So here it is. We have the, the, the first harvest feast for them was bringing in barley for us. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the first fruits of God, the first man to be presented to God as holy. That is cool. Because listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I get in arguments with people all the time. Oh, this, this was written by men. Are you serious? How in the world could men have worked up something so perfect? I mean, without even realizing it. Okay, I'm going to move on, because i got way too much to say. Let's go to the next one. Leviticus, let's go uh, verse 15 to 17. Let's keep going. Now he says, you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath. So, so after the Feast of the First Fruits, you count seven full weeks. So from the day that you brought in the sheaf of the uh, uh, wave offering, you shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling place two loaves of bread to be waved, made of two tenths of an epoch, and they shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. Now again, you're probably sitting there going, great. Now they're eating bread that's risen. Awesome. Seven days after the first Sabbath, after the, you know, whatever. Okay. This is the second of their harvest feasts, and it occurred 50 days after the first one. And it is the uh, Feast of Weeks, is what it is called. Let's put the next slide. Yep. The Feast of Weeks. So, again, we see this wording. You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath. From that day you brought the sheaf of the wain offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after 
the seventh Sabbath. So what day are we talking about again? Sunday. The day after the seventh Sabbath. So 50 days after the Feast of the First Fruits on Sunday, you celebrate the Feast of Weeks. Now, what was it for the, for the, for the Jews? The Jews, this was the time of year, um, uh, seven weeks later, this is when the wheat harvest came in. And so as they harvested the wheat from all the lands, they were to come in and they were to honor God by making bread, this time with leaven, which is important because it was unleavened before. Now it's leaven. What's changed? We're going to get to that. And they are honoring God and giving thanks to God that he has provided them with this wheat that is going to sustain them and continue to allow them to make bread. What is the Feast of Weeks for the Christian? That's kind of cool. The Feast of Weeks is known by a different name in the New Testament. Does anyone know what it is? Fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus, they celebrated Pentecost. Let's read what happened that day. What happened that day? Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared in them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Romans 8, to 23. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies, and James 1.18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we we should be a kind of first fruits of all of his creatures. So what is Pentecost for us? What is the Feast of Weeks? What is the second harvest? If Jesus was the first harvest and Pentecost was the second harvest, what happened that day? That day, there were 120 people sitting up in the upper room who were waiting. Jesus had said, go and wait for something to happen. They had no idea this was coming. That's the brilliance of it. God knew what was going to happen because he said, what I want you to do is I want you uh, uh, 50 days after on this day of Pentecost, you bring in the wheat harvest. And this time, you don't just make one loaf, you make two. And this time it is an unleavened. It's fully leaven, filled with yeast, so that it rises when you bake it. So on that day, those 120 people, suddenly the Holy Spirit of God falls from heaven, fills them up. Tongues of fire land on top of them. They begin to go out and they begin to speak and preach and do things they never could have done before. What we see in the Feast of Weeks, they were celebrating the harvest of the wheat. When Jesus looked around himself, he specifically said this. I want, and, and this <laughs> what, what did he say? He said, open up your eyes, look to the harvest. The harvest fields are what? White. It says ripen something, but... He says they're white. 
Do you know what crop turns white when it's ready to be harvested? Wheat. Jesus is directly connecting to them. He's saying, look around. The feast of weeks is ready. The harvest of the righteous is ready. Consider, when we go, when we are presented to God, we have had our soiled clothes, our dirty clothes, our immature stained clothes removed. We have been washed white. Uh, well, we've been washed white by the blood of the lamb, which is kind of a weird imagery in and of itself. Uh, uh, but the end result is the multitude is all there dressed in white. Perfect harvest. Jesus was connecting. Right now is the second harvest. That's the harvest you and I are called to. This is the one where Jesus said, pray to the Father that, that, that he will raise workers for the harvest. Do you not look around and see that the, that the fields are white and that they're ready for the harvest? The harvest is now. This is the second harvest where Christ was the first. He was the first of the righteous who was taken by God. But now, now we see on Pentecost, boom, there they are. God has claimed these as his own. Filled them with the Spirit. That's that leaven that you see, right? The rising of the bread. Bigger. And why two loaves? Instead of one, why does he specify two filled loaves? What did Jesus say? Where two or more are gathered, there I am. Centuries before, they had no idea. They were celebrating the, the, the wheat harvest and had no idea that all of the things they were instructed to do were all pointing to this time right now. Where two or more are gathered, Jesus is here. We have been claimed, reclaimed, reborn. We are new, new creatures, a new nation, a new people. And every time we go out, every time someone who is lost, who is damned, someone who, who, who is not saved finds their way to Christ, what does it say happens in heaven? When one sinner turns, the angels rejoice. It is a celebration. They're welcomed in. Right now. We are in the Feast of Weeks, a perpetual Pentecost. We are workers in that field. The old hymn books, old ones, not, none of the new ones have them. The old ones had tons of harvest songs because they had a mentality that the work of the church was that harvest. We are harvesting right now and gathering for Christ his own people. Okay, cool. Let's keep going. Leviticus, uh, going back 23 to 25. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel in the seventh month. So now we're, now we're ending. We're, 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 we're in the seventh month. It says, in the, in the, speak to the people of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blast of trumpet, a holy convocation. You will not do any ordinary work and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. This is the Feast of Trumpets. So for the Jews in the 
first day of the seventh month, they would sit there and trumpets would be blown and that would announce that everyone was to lay down their work and they were to simply be at rest. That's what it meant. There's, there, I, I don't know of any deeper meaning. What is the Feast of Trumpets to the Christian? If we are in the if 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 Christ's death was the Passover, if the feast of, of unleavened bread and especially the feast of first fruits was the resurrection of Jesus, and the feast of weeks was Pentecost, and we are now in the feast of weeks, we are in the we are in that second harvest. What is the feast of trumpets? It's not a harvest celebration. It's just another one of their feasts. What is that? Because it's in our future. Well, it's at the end, and you're going to see the next ones come rapid pace right on top of each other. 1 Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After the second harvest is finished. The trumpets blast. All the work gets laid down. Your jobs, your efforts, the harvest of this earth. When the trumpet blows, it's all laid down. And we are done with the period of work. Let's go back to the next one. So what follows the Feast of Trumpets? 26 to 28, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, now on the 10th day of this seven month is the day of atonement and it shall be for you a time of holy convocation and you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord and you shall not do any work on that very day for it is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. During this time when uh, the Jewish people celebrated it, they had it. This is, this is in the history. When they celebrate this day, they recognize during this period that by the end, they are going to be judged. And so they are to afflict themselves. And this is where they go and they fast and they pray and they deny themselves. And they go through uh, uh, symbolic uh, uh, purifications and, and confessions and repentances and and penances, different ways that they are trying to make up for all of the sin of their past because they understood and the teaching said that at the end of the day of atonement, on the day of atonement is when God opened up the book of life and wrote in it finally what your year had been. Were you righteous or were you wicked for that year? That was the concept behind the Day of Atonement. So every year when the Jews do this, they do it kind of toward the end here, and they are trying to make amends for their sin. What is the Day of Atonement that is awaiting us after the trumpet blows? We don't call it the Day of Atonement. We call it the Day of Judgment. There is a day of judgment that awaits. Let's look at what Revelation says. Revelation 20, 11 to 15 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found in them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. 
Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. The lake of fire, um, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the great and terrible day of the Lord, which awaits after the blowing of the trumpet. When the trumpet blows and we lay down our work, we are gathered before the Lord, and the book of life is open, and our lives are judged. Our end result is determined. But there's one more festival that's listed in Leviticus after the Day of Atonement. It is the third feast, the, the, the third uh, harvest feast. In verse 39, on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the produce of the land, You shall celebrate a feast to the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days uh, in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. This is called the Feast of Booths. It is the third harvest feast. The third harvest. For the Jews, it was a time, this harvest was the fruit harvest. The harvest of vines, the harvest of trees. So any of the fruits, vegetation, things like that that they brought in, uh, uh, they weren't the barley, they weren't the wheat, these are the fruits. And the fruits are brought, are gathered together. And during this time, they were to thank God for the fruit and and what he had provided for them. They were to stay in booths and they were to remember. It kind of went full circle now, back to Egypt. They were to remember, now being far separated from Egypt, they were to come back and remember what it was like to not have a home, not have a land, and they had to live in tents. So it came full circle. For us, Following the day of judgment, the Feast of Booths had a diff- another name, and that was the Feast of Ingathering, where all of the fruit is gathered together. It is brought in. And that's really what we see, that there is one final harvest that is waiting for us. Let's read Revelation 7, 9 to 10. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white 
robes with palm branches in their hand and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. If you have your book still open, when you look back at the instructions on the, on the Feast of Booths, it's the only one where they are told to party. All the others were bring sacrifices and bring offerings and just lay still and don't do anything. That's pretty much the instructions of all the others. Until you get to the Feast of Booths, let me go back. Let me, let me read it. Where he says, you are to grab the branches of palm trees, uh, uh, leafy trees, the willows of the brook. You're going to rejoice. You're going to wave them. You're going to celebrate in the seventh, seventh month. They celebrate. It's the only one where they are told to party and praise and celebrate, to dance and to wave, to be excited. It's the only one. And then we get here to the end when those who have fruit to present to God, we who have fruit to present, we are not just gathered before him, we have fruit to present, and he gathers us together in the new kingdom. We are brought together with him. And what did it say in Revelation? We are in white robes, and we come with the branches, and we are celebrating, and we are just excited. That harvest is waiting. The ingathering. When everything we've done everything we've worked for, when we get to come into the house of God and just celebrate. See, the Jews were doing this every year for different reasons, and they didn't realize everything they were doing was telling the history of what God is, was going to do. Christ was sacrificed on the Passover. He was raised as the first fruits. Taken to God and harvested. On Pentecost, God has har- began the harvest of humanity that we are participating in. But when the trumpet blows, we lay all of that work down. That harvest is over. We approach the throne of God and we will face the day of atonement. When the book is opened and those who have fruit to present to the Lord are brought in the final harvest, the Feast of Booths, we will bring our fruit into the kingdom and we will celebrate for eternity. Now this passage is going to make sense now. Now that you you see that there's these three harvests, 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 24. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Here are the three harvests. You ready? Christ the first fruits. Then at his coming... Those who belong to Christ, then comes the end. It's funny that it just, I've read that, I don't know how much, and I, I, never, I never saw this ancient connection. Christ is the first fruits. The church is the second harvest. And the end of times is the third. 
this all is important to me and hopefully important to you because of this. When we come to the time of Thanksgiving, it's our harvest celebration. It's the one that we have. When we remember all of the plenty, all of the good, all of the wonderful things God has done, and we give him thanks. And I guess I just wanted to make it even more than that. That when you gather with your family, you can actually celebrate the first harvest that Christ was raised from the dead as the first fruits of God. That we are in the second harvest. Look, around, I mean, in this room, you are a part of that harvest in white robes. And we are workers in this harvest. And with every person who ever comes to Christ, that harvest increases. We are a part of something amazing that we should be grateful for. And we most certainly ought to acknowledge, remember, and celebrate that there's a third one coming when we get to be with him. That's where the party is. That's where the celebration is. I just encourage you to remember that this week. Let's stand. We're going to sing our song of invitation. And as always, if there's any prayer request, anything on your heart that you want to share with us, that, that you need to alleviate a burden that we can pray with you, carry with you, just come forward while we sing our song of invitation.